Good morning. We open up with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we are in this uh, sermon series uh, called Character Matters. We've talked about a lot of different types of character that does matter. And uh, we've primarily been right here in 1 Peter uh, through this sermon series, uh, taking a look at uh, just what the Bible has to say about uh, character and what it means for us as Christians. So uh, today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 9. And Peter writes that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Let's pray. Father, your spirit is welcome here. We ask, Lord, that your spirit will move in such a way that your truth is revealed to each one of us, that your truth is revealed to this congregation, to this community. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we study your holy word that we might become more like you, that you will transform us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take a survey this morning. The survey is called, what kind of drivers do we have at Cornerstone Christian Church? You all ready for this? I think there's a few different types of drivers. The first type of driver I call the obedient driver. The obedient driver always keeps the speed at the speed limit or under. They never worry about tickets. They never even worry about the car that is honk, honking and furiously waving their hands behind them. Any obedient drivers today? Oh, we got a couple. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jessica, put your hand down. The second type of driver is the get away with it driver, all right? This driver keeps their speed above the speed limit, but just enough to not get a ticket. You're the driver that heard it somewhere. The cops won't pull you over if you go five. Maybe you heard seven, eight, ten. Cops won't pull you over. You heard it somewhere. These drivers usually drive in the middle lane, and they're going five to ten miles over the speed limit. They complain about the ones that are going too fast, 
and the ones that are going too slow. Do we have any middle-of-the-road drivers? Yeah, a few of them in here. Okay. All right, the last type of the driver is speed limit? Huh? This driver is driving whatever speed limit they need to get from point A to point B. The only time they slow down is if they see a cop. They probably have a police scanner or the Waze app opened at all times. Any, any drivers like that want to admit? Oh, there you go, Lugene. I knew, I knew, I knew you, Lugene. I know you. As I read uh, this passage this morning, you know, I, I kind of wondered about the, motiva- the motivation that we have behind driving. And the motivation that we have specifically about obedience to the speed limit. Most people fall somewhere within the thought, I don't want to get a ticket standard, right? They just don't want to get pulled over by a police officer. The issue is that those who are motivated motivated by fear will live differently than those who are motivated by love. For example, when I pass a funeral motorcade, I pull over and I stop my car. Parents taught me to be respectful by pulling over, but I also do it because that was done for me at one time. I remember the long drive to my father's grave from the funeral home, the cars that honored our family by pulling over. I'm not motivated motivated by rules in such instances. I'm motivated by love. I'm motivated by love. When you think about your obedience to Jesus Christ, your obedience to God, are you motivated by fear or are you motivated by love? And the interesting thing in this passage, I think Peter really drives home the point that we are motivated by love. I'm going to give you a few of those reasons this morning. If you want to write down this in your, your notes... Write down, I am chosen. This is one of the love-motivating factors that Peter mentions here in the passage, that I I am chosen. Peter uses really strong words here, doesn't he, to describe our position that we have right here in the kingdom of God. He says that we are a chosen people, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people belonging to God, and that God has called us out of darkness. He's chosen us to come out of darkness. That idea of being chosen is like the feeling you get when you're the first pick in kickball, right? You've been hand-selected to participate, and it doesn't matter how you feel, you were not picked last nor have you been passed over. It doesn't matter how you feel. Peter is telling us that we have not been passed over, that we have not been picked last, that you have been hand-selected to God. Have you ever felt like, have you ever felt like you were not chosen? Have you ever felt the feeling of not, have you ever felt the feeling of being passed over? 
There, there was a time in my high school uh, career, I called it a career, my high school life where I felt passed over. I was super active in music and, and drama my whole senior year of high school, but of my, whole, uh, my whole time in high school. But my senior year, I dropped out of choir. And they have this really neat scholarship where I grew up where you could get a really special award if you achieve in math, science, or in the arts. And that year, I hoped that maybe I might receive this nomination for my school to be, to be chosen for, for the drama category. I was a lead role in our play, and I, I felt like I deserved it, but I was passed over. And not only was I passed over, but I found out that there was someone who had kind of cut in and, and picked me out and pushed me to the side. That's discouraging, right? It's discouraging to feel that way. It doesn't feel good. But listen, the chosenness that you have in Jesus Christ is not based on your abilities. You haven't been chosen because of your economic status. You haven't been chosen because you're particularly smart. You haven't been chosen because of the color of the, your skin. And the icing on the cake is there's no one that can come in and take that from you. No one can swoop in at the last minute and take your place from God. We're reminded in one of my favorite passages in Romans 8, Paul says that, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he goes on. He says, I'm convinced that there is neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. There's neither height, there's nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have been chosen, and no one can take that from you. And because of a deep gratitude I have for my understanding of my chosenness in Jesus Christ, what does that cause me to do? I feel humbled, honored to be obedient to God. You're a holy people. You've been chosen. And in gratitude, I want to be obedient to God. But Peter doesn't stop there, does he? He also adds that we are attached to God. We are attached to God. He says that, that we once lived without God, right? But now you have God. He says Without God, you're not chosen. Without God, you have no mercy. Without God, he says, I am nothing. God, being attached to God, causes us to be obedient. Jessica and I really love to plant flowers. It's a growing hobby in our lives. The first year, which was fairly recent, just a couple years ago, we bought flowers, and, and we chose those flowers based on the pretty factor, right? 
You're like, ooh, that's a pretty color. Ooh, that's a pretty flower. And we found desirable places around our house to put these pretty flowers. But guess what? Many of them did not live. Because it was after that time that we learned that some flowers need sun and some don't need so much sun. And so we ended up killing all of these flowers. So the next year, we, we did a little bit better. We chose uh, the flowers based on where we would put them and that would receive enough sun and water. It worked great except for one plant. It was a gardenia. And we picked up this gardenia in the, in the section that says needs plenty of sun. And we put it in a spot that needs plenty of sun. But by the end of the year, it was, dis- I mean, it was just rotten. It was dead. It, it withered. There were no flowers. It just wasn't pretty. I read up. It does need a lot of sun. But according to the interweb, the World Wide Web, it says it doesn't need direct sun. So I dug it up and put it in the shade. Maybe it'll live. Hopefully, it'll survive. And you know, uh, human beings, we're a lot like plants. Our spiritual lives need nourishment. Our spiritual lives need a good root system. And Jesus knew that. And he used a wonderful illustration to connect our lives to that of a plant. It was a vine, in fact, in John chapter 15. And Jesus said, I am the vine, he said. And you, y'all are branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. And that, that makes sense, right? We'll pause there. That makes sense. You snap a branch off of a, bro, a, a vine, it, it dies, right? You lay it in the grass. It'll, it, it's not going to have any more nourishment. It makes sense. But listen to what Jesus goes on to say in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, do you hear that? So have I loved you. Now remain in my love And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. Did you hear that? There is a connection between obedience, love, and being attached to God. Without God, we have nothing, right? We bear nothing. Our lives wither. But with God, we bear this incredible fruit now. Because we're attached to Jesus, because we remain in Jesus, we are able to be obedient. We're obedient because of the gratitude that we have for his love. We're obedient because we're attached to Jesus. And finally, if you want to write this down, you can. I don't belong here. I don't belong here at all, right? We are able to be obedient to God because we're aliens here in this world. We're strangers here in this sinful world. 
It was May of 2008 that scientists finally completed analyzing the DNA of the duck-billed platypus, creature native to Australia. It defies every category under bird, reptile, or mammal. The platypus is so odd that when the first specimens were sent to Europe in the 19th century, scientists thought it was a hoax. The platypus has a bill and webbed feet like a duck. It lays egg like a bird or reptile, but also produces milk and has a coat of fur like a mammal. Even its DNA is a mishmash of genes. A group of over 100 scientists studied a female platypus, collected and analyzed her DNA, and found that her genome contained 18,500 genes similar to other vertebrates and about two-thirds the size of the human genome. The platypus shares 82% of its genes with humans, with dogs, with mice, possums, and chickens. Of particular interest, the reporters learn that these genes were also much like reptiles. You know, I'm convinced that Christians are the platypi of the world. Come on. We just don't seem to fit in. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. We're aliens and strangers of this world. The world does not grow our character. The world does not grow our character. Our character comes from being attached to Jesus Christ. It comes through the gratitude for the love of Jesus Christ. It comes by realizing we don't belong. We're platypi. Our obedience to Christ looks different than those who are obedient to selfish and sinful desires of this world. The writer of 1 John takes one step further we're not only obedient to God, but we, and we don't belong in the world, but also we are to hate the sinful practices of the world, right? He says in 1 John, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it doesn't come from the Father, but the world. Amen? Character matters Christians. We must be obedient to God. And I think that Peter does a good job here of motivating us through love. We're obedient out of gratitude by being, that we were chosen by God. We're obedient through our attachment to Christ. And we're obedient because we don't belong here in this world. It's what drives us to be obedient to God. Now, as we approach communion this morning, I want to invite you to reflect on your character. Please allow this time to renew your obedience to God. I invite you, while we sing, to go to one of these tables, take a cup, and hold the cup, hold the elements together, and we'll take it in unity, as Austin shares with us this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I am uh, truly grateful, truly, truly grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. 
And as we think about obedience and as we think about this time, as we reflect on his death, we are reminded that he was obedient, that Jesus Christ was obedient to death, even death on the cross. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you will renew our hearts and our spirits, that we might be obedient to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.